All right. Waiting for this guy to taper off here. Sounds a little bit better. Um, welcome back, everyone, and welcome back, Nate, to another episode of Fan Fuel Podcast. Um, this is episode 89, fittingly titled Getting the Ball Rolling Again, um, as we kick you off really for the first meaty show of 2023. Um, Nate, what you been up to? I feel like it's been about uh, a year since we've Yeah, it's been, what, it's been a couple months, I imagine. So. Oh, a month, yeah. Uh, yeah, I went on vacation. I was off for about four or five weeks, and I'm back in school, so... This is really oh, yeah. the first like free day I've had in quite a few weeks. How many more uh, semesters of school you got after this one? Uh, about a year or so. About a year? That's a year, year and a half. Yeah. How are you? you turned 21 this year, right? Yes, I do. Next year, 24, right? No, this year. 24. What year were you born? You were born in 2002, I was born in right? 2002, yeah. Okay, I keep thinking 03 for some reason. Um, other than... School. I mean, is there anything else you've been up to? Do any uh, <sighs> any gaming? Did you, I mean, what you? We haven't even seen you since since before Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Christmas? I mean, yeah, it was a good Christmas. Uh, I spent about a week out of the country, so I was traveling. That was pretty fun, and then did I did one endurance race? Um, I think yeah, that's about it. Like that's all I've done pretty much. I had a some sort of tonsil infection for about three weeks right afterwards, but now it's finally gone. So. It's been a weird yeah. break. Yeah, damn. Um, well, this isn't just a Nathan Ball fan spotlight this week. Um, we just want to catch up with our buddy here. Um, for any of you in, or joining in, please chime in in the comments. Give Nate a little bit of shit. <laughs> we haven't been able to in a few weeks. Um, busy. I mean... Yeah, it sounds like it. All right. So we are, this is going to be kind of a Clash preview show, um, just because, I mean, obviously the, the Clash is this weekend. We still have another couple weeks till Daytona, so we're really going to save a lot of that. The Daytona meet, um, kind of push that off until after the Super Bowl, um, or where we can just kind of sit down and dissect it all individually. Um, but nonetheless, um, Nate, are you excited to finally get the actual ball rolling on Yes. On motorsport season? Yeah, it's been a pretty long off season. I know it hasn't felt like it, but just last week, obviously, we had the Rolex 24, so that was a good, kind of a good wake-up call, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that one does is kind of the the kickoff, so to speak, for everything motorsports. I know we had the Chili Bowl earlier, but to me, that's always kind of been its own separate thing mm-hmm. just because there's several weeks after Chili Bowl to where yeah, we get fully yeah, in like You got the Rolex 24, you got the Clash. You got speed weeks. So we're going to jump right in here to Splash and Dash. Um, this is our newest segment here on Fan Fuel Motorsports, where we're just going to kind of um, just rapid fire some uh, some talking points here for you guys. Um, so first one is NASCAR drivers take over the podium in the four-hour BMW M Endurance Challenge at Daytona with Harrison Burton and Zane Smith taking the win. And the 2023 new Thor Sport teammates Ben Rhodes and Haley Deegan came in third. I was pretty impressed at that because I, I didn't, obviously didn't watch that race because it was a Friday and I was out of the house. But I heard that Zane Smith qualified the car really well. And then I think he got out of the car toward the end. And once they put Burton in, it, the, I guess the race got a little bit closer once he was in the car, but they still managed to hang on. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. I think Zane Smith is really good. So this is more, I guess, validation because I think that he's honestly too good to be in trucks at this point. Yeah. 
Um, the Rolex 24 GTP troubles, not as numerous as expected. Myler Shank, number 60, takes the overall win, and LMP2 comes down to just over a tenth and a half of a second. Man, yeah, that was a really good race, first of all. Like, I thought the LMP2 finish was one of the best years. But, I mean, I was impressed still with Meyer Shank because they pretty much, there was never a point in the race where like, they were in doubt of losing. They were, it almost felt like they were a second a lap faster than the other Acura. And I was impressed with that because a lot of the big factory teams didn't really do that well. Like BMW, Porsche, they all had reliability problems when everybody thought that they were going to be the teams to beat. And it seems like Meyer Shank, they won the pole, they won the race. They pretty much, off the fastest lap chart, they dominated that too. Like every every single one of the top 10 fastest laps was from a Meyer Shank driver. All right. I see I didn't watch any of the Rolex. Can't comment. Never once <laughs> seen a lap of the Rolex 24. Really? Like you need never that once. needs to change. No, never. I just, it never interested me that that much to be honest like if there's ever a time to get it in since now because i know that i wasn't able to make it this year but it was apparently like the most attended rolex 24 ever there was a ton of people there a lot of people i know that weren't into imsa actually went this year and now they're pretty much attached so imsa's really really in a good spot yeah crazy um Supercross round four is the first triple crown of the season and is won by Chase Sexton. Um, and then moving over to the world of dirt, the Florida Georgia Speed Week start out at Golden Isle on the 26th after night one rain out. Brandon Overton took night one and night three. Kyle Larson won night two. Uh, the Lucas Oil 8 models then moved on to Bubble Raceway Park where Ricky Thornton Jr. took night one. Jonathan Davenport grabs his first win of the 2023 last night. And then Speed Weeks continues at Alltech Raceway this weekend and concludes with six straight nights at east bay starting on monday um so this is for i mean this is you know dirt speed weeks um and it's actually plural right i'd imagine yes it's it's like three days yeah yeah um it's actually a plural instead of speed week yeah right it's kind of weird now i mean i go over there on a thursday get checked in then pretty much it's just duels then the three races and you're done yeah yeah and the dirt speed weeks down there is especially with the late models is crazy because it seems like at least to me everyone these are some of the best weekends or the best races of the whole season just because of the pure talent pool that shows up for these um and everyone's chomping at the bit trying to get a win trying to start the year off right um so i really enjoy um you know these first like three weeks of dirt racing um when they're running down in florida and georgia iRacing takes the lead with nascar's first official checkered flag of 2023 2022 defending champion Casey Kerwin takes no downtime and wins an exhibition race ahead of the 22 qualifiers in last night's main event. I didn't catch any of this, um, but I, I didn't saw either. Uh, kind of raving about it on Twitter. So yeah, I did want to say a shout out to Brandon McKissick because I've actually known him for quite a while now. I met him last summer at Daytona, and we've been following one another on Twitter for a couple of years now. He's actually in the like the Coca-Cola iRacing series now. So that's pretty cool. So congratulations to him. Um, other than that, I don't really know a whole lot about iRacing. Yeah, and a lot of the 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 big tour the NAS or the uh iRacing series that run around, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to mm-hmm. um at least religiously. Um I know quite a bit of drivers in a few of the excuse me. 
in a few of the leagues we got, uh, obviously Alex Harrington, our very own, is yeah. one of them. Um, <laughs> so always like to cheer him on as well. Um, and then Haas unveiled their 2023 livery to mostly negative reviews as the team continued. The team continued with a very bland styling and stereotypical colors of black, white, and red. This is an interesting one. I, I don't think it's a bad livery, so to speak, but I did prefer last year's a little more. I know that last year's was basically only two colors, but for whatever reason, I really liked it. Like it was pretty simple. It stuck out and it didn't actually look that bad. So I guess this year's kind of looks more like the older ones where it was like gray, black, wasn't a lot of red. There wasn't a lot of white. It kind of just gets blended together. Yeah. It really reminds me, I think of 2017 or no, well, maybe not 2018 because those were mostly gray, but still, I guess it's mostly black now. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so Red Bull is actually the next um, team to unveil their livery, which will be this upcoming Friday. Mm -hmm. um, are you expecting a lot of changes out of the Red Bull livery, or are we just going to continue with a lot <sighs> of the same? One. I think if they change it, it's going to be like a testing livery because they've done it before where they've unveiled like camouflage cars, they've unveiled purple cars, and everyone gets really excited, and then they realize they're like, this isn't going to be the one that races. The one that races is going to be the exact same as the older ones. Like, the last, what, seven or eight years now. So, yeah. But the one thing I am excited about is it's going to be the real car. It's not going to be just the livery. Like they're going to show the actual car. So it'll be different because I know Haas hasn't shown the actual car yet. Yeah, which will be um, – I mean, I'm looking forward to it just because that's one step closer to, to mm -hmm. full swing racing again. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for the livery reveals because most of the teams, barring Haas, because they were so early, they're going to show the real car. So a lot of people are kind of curious to see what every car is going to look like because I know that – Every single one of them is going to be different in some way. Yeah. Which I'm yeah. kind of not used to anymore because, like, NASCAR, IndyCar, they all you are kind of put in a box. Right. Right. Not as much creative freedom as you have right. with the F1 teams. Um, let's get in. Let's get into some meat here. The Clash is this weekend. What are you expecting from the Clash? I'm going to kind of break this up um, into segments. What are you expecting as far as the track and the racing product to be, what are you expecting the drivers to race like um, now that we don't have as massive of a part shortage this year? Um, and then what are you expecting the crowd turnout and the overall, you know, I, I guess reception of it to be comparative to last year? I mean, I think for the crowd reception, I think it'll be very similar. I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if it's going to be more, but maybe a little less if anything, but I think the racing itself will probably be a lot more physical than it was last year because everyone, when they saw the track last year, they're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be, there's going to be a caution every five laps, you know, and the heat races were pretty chaotic too. If you saw those. So if anything, I think the main race will actually be a lot more physical because the teams, they don't really have issues with the parts. They can just fix the cars and keep going. You know, because I think Justin Marks said something along the lines of the car that Ross Chastain had in Martinsville last year was 90% reusable. So chances right. are if any of these cars get damaged, they're probably not permanently done. So it's probably not, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt the teams really if they can tear stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. I look at that as opposed to last year with, you know, the, the rumors of a part shortage and whatnot. Um, a lot of teams packed those same cars up and took yeah. them to Daytona. Um so we know now what breaks on these cars more often than not, right? Toe links, suspension. 
Mm -hmm. um, we know how well they seem to hold up with, especially like harder impacts than the previous cards did. You don't need to scrap a whole front end, um, you know, just mostly cosmetic stuff, honestly, um, other than the shit around the wheels. Like I mentioned, the you know, toe links yeah. and whatnot. Um, I think that is going to play massively into the hands of the drivers. I think, you, like you said, mm -hmm. we're going to see a lot more physical race. I think especially the qualifiers are going to be There's going to be people going crazy to get in. Yeah. Because I don't know if you saw Ty Dillon last year. I mean, he pretty oh, much man. He he ran through crazy. like half the field. Yeah. And he still didn't make it. Yeah, so I think we're going to see a lot more of that, and especially now that guys know more so of how how these cars hit, how they feel. Um, you know, we're going to see, I believe, a lot more competitive race um, and a lot more guys willing to to put it all out there. I'm actually going to disagree. I think the fan, the stands are going to be a little bit more full this year, um, just because we're not kind of as close to you know COVID regulations and whatnot. People are starting mm -hmm. to get outside more and do more, um, you know, big event things, um, as well as like the music acts coming in. I feel like are a lot better than you know. We have Wiz Khalifa this year as opposed to Ice Cube last mm -hmm. year, which don't get me wrong, Ice Cube's a big name. But right. Wiz is a lot more relevant to today's day and age. Like I think they're doing a good job at trying to keep it relevant because usually it seems like after the first year of these events, they always kind of go down a little bit. So I think they're trying. It's a good sign. And I wasn't a big believer at first in the clash, but honestly, I think it's going to be a, a long-term thing. Right. And especially with the, uh, I mean, the news of auto club reconfiguring after this next season, um, you know, I think they're really going to want to keep that LA market, you know, yeah. fresh in everyone's mind. So I definitely don't think we see this clash go away anytime soon, at least until the short or the um, short track at Auto Club gets reconfigured. Maybe they migrate the clash over there, you know, just to kind of save some money, not having to put down fresh asphalt every year. Right, and that, again, that makes me sad because I'm gonna really miss the two mile oval. I wish that they would be one of my favorite races of the year. It's like the final race in the two miler. I wish they'd take the short track and butt it up to the front stretch of the big track. Yes, that makes sense. You know, make it like a like a quarter midget track. Yeah, I know. But obviously the banking that wouldn't work and it's just that makes me wonder I'm like, why can't you just put it in the infield? Yeah, Auto Club has a massive um grassy knoll area between the pits and the front stretch anyway. Yeah. There's gotta be plenty of room for a half mile track to fit in there especially with the dimensions they're looking at yeah i mean the infield road course i don't know if it gets used anymore either so you can just right pave a dirt track over that or pave the dirt and then pave the banking and pave like you literally pave a full oval in there but the only problem is the grandstands yeah yeah which I mean, indianapolis has their little dirt track in the infield but obviously that's way smaller than what the fontana short tracks can be right so it's going to be it'd be a challenge but i wish they would do it because i think that way you wouldn't have to scrap the two miler entirely right um another good thing about the clash this year i think is that the main event is going to be run at night um I'm, that's was, really nice that big hoopla last year of a lot of people didn't know when the qualifiers were in the heat races because they just kind of advertised the main event start time and that really contributed to the stands being way less full um especially during the qualifiers and whatnot um, so I think that's super good. They're going to start the whole show a little bit later, give people a chance to show up. They advertised all of the times, um, right from the get go. Um, and obviously who doesn't love a good short track race at night? Yeah, I think it's pretty much only fair because I, I mean, that's all I'm used to is the clash being at night. 
And, right. And it doesn't seem right to have a race like that in the daytime. Right. Um, I can't even remember. I think the last daytime, what was then the Bud shootout was 2001, maybe 2002. Yeah. It had to by design. Yeah. Right. It had to have been early 2000s. And then they um, moved it a day for a couple of years after like 2018. Ah, that's right. Because I forget but about I, those races really weren't that great. So, yeah. Um, who you had to, if you had to make a prediction for the clash, who is one driver that you see making the main that maybe a lot of people don't? Who's one driver you have missing the main that maybe a lot of people don't? And who do you have winning it? So, who all is not walking? Like, um, that would just give me some big names because I wasn't really sure about this one, to be honest. I haven't I'm, even even, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I don't like, I'd imagine like Ty Gibbs is. or whatnot. Like, Ty Gibbs is a big guy that's not locked in. I'd imagine the 42 is not. I'd imagine. Uh, one driver is already locked into the clash. Um, I'd assume it's going to be Joey Logano. Yeah, he's, he's in. So he, yes. So Joey Logano is the only one that is locked in. Oh my um, gosh. Wow. Yeah. I'm so used yeah. to the clash just being like former winners, all that kind of stuff. And I realized, like, oh, it's a, there's a, there's prelims and everything. So nobody's locked in except for him. Right. Um, and that's just being because he is the reigning winner of the race. Yeah. Um, this is a tough one, honestly, because I think something can happen to anybody. Depends on how the heats are ordered, especially because there could be some heats that are more stacked than others. You know, there might be a guy that he's good enough to win the clash, but he's not in because the heat that he's in happens to have all the good people in it. Right. I so. think we see. I think we see Truex miss the main. I wouldn't be overly surprised at that, just because he seems like a cleaner driver. He doesn't seem like he's one that would enjoy that type of racetrack that much. But I think Ty Gibbs is somebody I have circled as somebody that might sneak in just because of how he races. Like, I think he's when push comes to shove, he's going to push everyone. Like, See, he's going to do what Ty Dillon did last year. I think because of that mentality, Ty is pretty much a lock. Yeah, he's in. Like, it doesn't I matter how many cars he drives through, he's going to get in. I think someone that we don't see make or that we see making it to the main that maybe a lot of people didn't have. Um, I believe that Ryan Priest will make the main event. I feel like uh, this yeah, feeds way pick. too much into his hands. Um, mm -hmm. For being a rookie driver, never turned a lap there. Um, I guess he's not really a rookie driver because he did run those two seasons with JTG. Um, however, first year with the Haas car, I think we see Priest make it in. I think Alex Bowman might be another sneaky one that I think could miss it because he's another guy that's kind of clean and you don't really see him race that aggressively in terms of contact. So I could kind of see him being the victim of the chaos and the heats. And then my pick is Brad Keselowski. I think with about five laps to go, he is going to muscle Kyle Busch out of the way, and he is going to make rowdy fans across the nation cry when <laughs> Keselowski does burnouts down the front stretch. Oh, man, this is kind of a bold one, but I think I'm going with William Byron. I thought about that earlier today. Uh, he's a good short track racer, and honestly – I know that he normally races really clean, but it's an exhibition race, so chances are if there's a race for him to just go have fun and use his bumper, it's probably going to be this one. So kind of doing something a little bit different for my pick this year. All right. 22 or 2023 events 
what are what are some races this year that you are exceptionally excited about? Oh, um, I'm gonna go ahead and set a, set aside Indy just because that's mm-hmm. I feel like that one's a given for everyone, right? Same with Daytona. Absolutely. Whew, so this is all motorsports, right? And anything you want. Yeah, this is a tough one. I think the first one calendar wise is gonna be Fontana. You know, the last two mile race. I think it's gonna be a really good race based on how last year was. I think it'll be just as good, but without you know the constant cautions that last year had because the car was new to everybody. Um, after that, obviously, you already took Indy off the board, so I am really, really, really excited for. I'm excited for Coda in this car because it seemed like the one road course last year that didn't race that badly. And then, I guess if we're moving to other series. Hmm. Yeah, Bahrain's definitely number one because it's the F1 season opener and it's always a good race for some reason. I don't know why Bahrain in particular always puts on good races, but it has. So I think that's a great place to have a season opener for F1. And then toward the summer, I'd probably say, yeah, definitely Silverstone for the British GP. You know, I've always liked that track. It's honestly been my favorite track on the calendar in terms of racing. So mm-hmm. that's another one that I've always kind of circled on the calendar every year. And really, after that, oh, man. I guess that some of the big races are kind of toward the end of the year. Like, I've always been excited for Homestead, in this car especially. Like that's going to be a great race. Vegas races have gotten a lot better in recent years. So that might be another early season race to look out for. And with IndyCar, it's probably always the same in terms of the tracks that I look forward to the most. I think Gateway is probably my favorite non-Indy oval. The only difference is it's a day race this year, so it's going to be a little different. Right. Um, I think some of mine, excluding, like I said, Indianapolis and Daytona, um, the Coke 600 is probably at the top of my list just because it was such a good race last year. I'm excited to see mm-hmm. if it can be replicated again as far as just the pure competition of it. Um, the Eldora Million is going to be run with the Sprint Car guys this year, which I am super excited for. Um, I'm going to be sure to take that next day off of work because I think last year it ran until about 1 a.m. my time, so it's kind of late. Um, it's like 4 a.m. our time. Yeah. Um, I am super excited um, for Homestead as well. Um, that's just always kind of been one of my favorite tracks. Um, I just love the uniqueness of it. Um, other than that, those are kind of the big three that I look out for, the BC39. I mean, there's obviously other little ones spread in between that I'm super excited about. Um, I'd actually probably say the the Xfinity race at Portland. I'm interested to see how that oh, one's going to yeah. play out. Hopefully we get some dry weather this year to see these guys really get up on the wheel. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind what racing. It just depends on the series because I don't think that some of the guys in that series are cut out to drive in the rain. I mean, you right. saw it last year, the cup race in the rain wasn't that bad. There wasn't really a lot of problems. But All right. I'm thinking of other races that I might keep an eye out. Yeah. Barber. I think IndyCar always puts on a good race at Barber, too. Yeah. We don't really get a lot of attention, but I thought that's an underrated track. Do you have any way-too-early season predictions? Because I've, I've got a few. Yeah. 
I, I'd like to see yours first because yours are probably way bolder than mine. All right. I have a total of six. I think Bubba gets three wins this season. I think they had a lot of speed and just couldn't capitalize on it. Um, Mm -hmm. I see him getting three wins. I think Eric Jones gets another win this year. Um, I think we see him get two consecutive seasons with a win in that 43 car. I believe at least one rookie will make the playoffs. Um, Most likely Ty Gibbs, but I don't don't think it's completely out of the question for another rookie to sneak in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that Truex will miss the playoffs again. Mm-hmm. This is this is completely opposite to mine, as you're seeing. I believe one of them related to him. I believe that Alex Bowman will have an average finish of worse than 20th this year. Um, wow, his, that's a tough his one. career project. He wasn't very far off last year. Yeah, well, his last year that was rough. Yeah, yeah, has just been downhill. Even if you take out the weeks that he was gone, just the races that he started, um, his average finish was, I believe, it was below 16th. So I believe those struggles continue for him again. Um, and my last one is I think Blaney wins four races this year. That's a pretty good one. I think so I they, had, they had a lot of speed. They couldn't did. really capitalize, but they were the only Penske car with speed week in, week out last year. Yeah, I think if, if it wasn't for a couple crashes in the round of eight, he probably makes Final Four. Right. Honestly, he had just as good of a car as the Dono did in that race. It's just they didn't have track position. Mm-hmm. So I guess for mine, I'd probably say the number one, I guess, I don't know if it's a bold prediction or just educated, like educated guess, if you will, but I honestly have Truex taking four wins this year. Hmm. Like I genuinely think that last year was kind of an anomaly type thing where they weren't slow. They just didn't keep up with the track. And obviously even still, there were races that they should have won, but they, they had their cars break down. They had somebody take them out they had tires blow or whatever. So I think that I don't think it's out of the question for him to do really well because kind of like how Logano does good in the even years, I saw a thing saying that he's never missed a final four in an odd number year since like since the start of the whole format with the final four, which is really interesting. So I'm, I'm not saying I expect him to make it there, but I do expect him to make the round of eight. I think I don't know where I had his first win coming this year, but I do have him winning a race fairly early. I think, I think Sonoma was the one I had him winning. So I'm, I'm excited to see him do well this year because last year was not the norm for him. I think it was one of those things where it was more of a one-off than it was a trend. And then next up, whew, I think one, either any one of Suarez, Wallace, or Bowman is going to go winless. Which one? I don't know. But I think one of those three is going to win. Because I've got like 17 winners predicted, and there's not enough room for everybody, I don't think. So I think it's going to come down to Suarez or Bubba, and I think whichever one of those guys wins is going to get the playoffs. They're going to get into the playoffs. I don't think there's any spots on points this year. And another fun one I had is that Eric Almarola is going to win a race, and he's going to miss the playoffs because he'll be the 17th winner. Huh. Like I have him winning a super speedway race somewhere. All right. I, I mean, it would be the most Eric Almarola thing to happen to win a race right. and not make the playoffs. And then I did have one about Bowman and Byron. I think they're going to swap places. I think Bowman's going to be the slower one. He's going to be a little bit more consistent. And then I think Byron's going to be the faster one. He's going to be all over the place. So I think both of them will get one win, but I don't see anything more than that. 
Like, I think Bowman always kind of finds a win somewhere. Right. Um, which, I mean, obviously we saw at Las Vegas last year with just the yeah. ill-timed caution for Truex. Like he's going to win a race some way. Like, it doesn't matter how. He will win a race. Right. It never fails. See, I don't know. I'm, I am definitely off the Bowman train. Um, I just – he hasn't had any luck other than the random one-off wins that he would get. Um, the team just seems to struggle so much at the midpoint in every race. Um, it seems like they're either really fast at the start or they find a, a sail in the wind way too late in the race. I am a um, believer in Blake Harris, though, because, I mean, you saw what he did with McDowell, and I think that – I think he's going to be the reason Bowman grabs a win somewhere. I think Dover was where I had him winning. I don't remember where. But I was like – I used to do, like, a spreadsheet thing. I don't know if I did one this year, but if I had to pick a Bowman win, I think it's going to come at Dover. Interesting. Well – Let's move on to some Woker joke because we've had a lot of rule changes dropped yesterday um, and you were pretty vocal about several of them on Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're going to kick right off. No cautions for road course stages aside from the standalone lower series events. So this is, this is probably the single biggest W that I've ever seen NASCAR take in the last three or four years. Like almost everybody wanted this and we finally got it. So it has to be woke. I mean, there's nothing that, I can protest about it. I think it's what everyone wanted to see. I'm just glad that we actually get to choose to go for the win and go for stages. We don't have to pick one or the other anymore. So, Right. Um, yeah, this is a step in the right direction, 100% woke. Um, this is one step closer to getting rid of stage cautions completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the stage points idea. I think that it's a great idea rewarding drivers for being good the entire race, not just the very end. Um, it's something that I griped about especially like in the mid 2010s that I wish, you know, being a Blaney fan, he just yeah. completely whooped ass in the middle of races and then would find a way to lose him at the end with the Wood Brothers. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of stages. I'm not a fan of stage cautions. I think it ruins any strategy and we've diced it up multiple yeah. times. I mean, I think that having stage points with a green flag race does make for strategy call. Yeah. Range. Cause you could have guys that their pit sequence may not come at the end of the stage break. So you might have guys that try to stay out to get the points. You might have guys just completely ignore them and go on to a normal strategy. You know, it's, right. it's not, there's a lot more options than having a caution. Right. Um, there is no points limit to get into any series playoffs, but they must attempt all races. This is a joke. Like, I think from their standpoint, they probably watched Daytona last year with like Cody Ware was running third like a bunch of random guys in that race were contending for the win because everybody else crashed out. And I think they saw Cody Ware running third on the last lap. And they're like, what if, what if he made the playoffs? You know, they probably thought like, this is going to be the ultimate NASCAR playoffs dream to have one of those cars make the playoffs. Right. You know, Cody imagine Ware, a fire car or something like that. Ty Dillon. Yeah. You know, I just, like I said, I think the top 30 was bad enough, but this is this is only going to waste spots. If one of those guys wins, then somebody who's actually been good and deserved the spot is going to get taken out. Right. Um, see, I'm on the fence. I, I get the joke side of it. Um, right. However, how likely is it that someone from below that mark is going to win a race? It's unlikely for sure, but I do think that based on how – Spire has run at the super speedways. I think I, yeah, you could I have a Ty Dillon win out of nowhere. 
I think Spire is the only team with a legitimate chance that isn't what I would consider to be a top 30 organization. Yeah. I think Burton will stay top 30 this year. He's probably not going to have to worry. Right. Um, so I get it. And to be fair, this is really only for the Cup Series because we don't have enough trucks or Xfinity teams that run full-time to be able to to make this one really worthwhile. Um you know, so it really only applies to the Cup Series, in my opinion. Yes, we could have one-off truck winners and Xfinity winners, but they're not going to attempt every single race. Or if they do, it's going to be, you know, teams like that throw in Cup drivers every once in a while. You know, like right. the big but machines. They're never going to. Yeah, they're not going to keep them full time. Right. So I, I this really only applies to the Cup Series. So that's kind of why I'm on the fence. Is I don't see many Cup teams below that 30th in points mark having many chances outside of super speedways. To right. win these races. I do think that having the two Atlanta races gives them a couple extra shots based right. on how much we nearly won last year in there. So I think ideally you're going to see the guys that are running in the back of those races. I think they're going to not run at the back as much anymore because now there's no incentive for them to lay back if they can actually make the playoffs by winning. So they might as well just go all right. out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Repair clock is extended to seven minutes. Um, woke or joke? It's woke for sure because I've hated the damage clock for as long as it's been around. And looking at it this way, I think you said that the tollings have been a pretty big issue for most of the year. And you saw the teams toward the summer, they got better at fixing quickly. I think Logano's team did it in a couple minutes. So I think they saw that in mind and they're giving them that extra minute or so so that if they do need to make a tolling repair, they have time to do it. You know, it's not it's not going to be as much of a terminal issue anymore as teams get better and better and better at fixing these issues. So it's good to see cars that clearly don't need to be taken out of the race not have to get taken out of the race. Right. Um, I am woke. I think this is a step in the right direction. I'd like to see it be 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, just, just as an in case, you know, for a lot of these teams, yes, they're going to probably go several laps down. Um, but I'd rather see a few more cars out on the track. Um, if anything, just kind of limping around, making the show a little bit better. Yeah, I remember the 600 last year. I think it was Bubba Wallace. He had a really good car. And I think he spun at some point in the race. It was a caution. Then he was involved in that big one on the restart. And he actually got taken out of the race because his team didn't know the rules. Right. He wasn't, yeah, I remember. There was no damage at all. I mean, he just did. The team didn't know the rules. And he probably could have won that race and he had to get taken out because of the rule that shouldn't really be there. Right. Um, so this will help pad that a little bit. Um, but I'd like to see it go to 10. Again, this is a step in the right direction. I just, eh, I just want a yeah. little more. They gave me a foot. I want to take three. Yeah. That's how it always is. Yeah. Um, the two lap penalty and two weeks for a crew member suspension. If a wheel comes off on track, as opposed to the four weeks that we've seen, um, this last season this is woke because obviously you saw last year not all of those issues are the team's fault when those wheels come off you know it could be a malfunction or a part or something so i'm pretty excited to see the fact that drivers can lose wheels and they can still come back to win races if they get their laps back yeah it shouldn't be a four week suspension for a crew chief so this is completely fair yeah i agree um I thought it was complete bullshit that one moment of a race could lead to your crew chief losing over 10% of the season, um, which I was, I, I never liked 
to be or to begin with, regardless of of who yeah. it was at fault. Um, I just think that's that's way too hard of a punishment. And I think NASCAR got their point across that hey, we're not we're not messing around with these loose wheels. You know, make sure you get them on. Um, take some of the punishment off. I think it's great. Um, and not only that, but it's not a dead set that your crew chief or your engineer, your tire changers is ejected. Um, that's kind of going to be at NASCAR's discretion of whoever they think is at fault there. Um, so, you know, Jackman drops it too early. He might be the one gone, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of this. Um, wet weather tires will be available for Martinsville, North Wilkesboro, Richmond, Gateway, Loudon, and Phoenix. This is as, as if it rains in Phoenix. Yeah, this was this a big one for me because I've been excited to see this. I don't know they teased it from last year, and the fact that they're making it possible. I think that yes, if it happens, the first race with them will probably be a circus, just because there's going to be drivers trying to adapt to it. But I think at the end of the day, it's another variable for drivers. You know, if it's if it's light rain and they can run, then I think it's up. It should be up to them to have to adapt to the conditions. So. It'll be exciting. It may not be the type of race that every fan likes, but it might be a race where somebody who can just keep it clean is going to be rewarded. So I think the more variables that showcase driver skill, the better it is. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent woke. Um, I'd like to see it actually be used. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we can't just make it rain somewhere. Um, but I, I really hope that we get a chance to, to see it utilized this year. Yeah, I'm um, really excited if it does. And I'm sure with NASCAR's luck, it's not going to get used. Right. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you. I think the first, at least the first time, probably at least the first couple, um, that it actually gets used and implemented in, during a live race, probably going to be a shit show. Like you said, just guys trying to adapt to it, trying to push it way too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. And I really this is really cool for the fans that will go to a race and instead of having a rain out or a rain delay, um, we'll just get to see the race continue. Yeah. I think that the caveat will probably be like, there's probably a cutoff point where it's like, okay, it's, it's raining too hard for them, but right. If it's light rain, then they won't, it's nice to not have them stop anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, hundred percent woke. I don't see how anyone could be joke for it. Um, but we'll see. Maybe it is complete joke. Yeah, I know Bob Pockers hates rain racing. I don't remember if you heard his reaction to Watkins Glen, but he was not happy that they were racing the rain. Huh. No, I didn't. It's kind uh, of strange. Never caught Bob as much of a rain hater. No, I never did either. But I, I come from other, you know, road racing where it's exciting. Everyone loves rain racing, so it's kind of different to see people not want it. And this is probably one that I think you were the most vocal about on Twitter: the choose cone at super speedways yeah i think i'm leaning joke on this one just because the team orders on these tracks can get a little bit overbearing at times with all the manufacturers cooperating and i think if there becomes a point where it's two laps to go you know in a race you're lining up for a restart and you're told to go behind your teammate rather than picking the front row it's probably going to be probably going to be more for everybody because I don't think any of the fans are going to want to see a race come down to team orders. But it's interesting because when you look at the restarts, one of the more fun things about it is seeing the team cars get separated for the restarts and they would have to find one another. Whereas now, if if they're already together and they can choose to be together, then the restarts can be a little bit tamer, I think. But I could be wrong. I just don't. 
I don't see anything productive coming out of it. I think I am, I'm again, I think I'm leaning joke um, just because like you said, I like seeing the teams forcing, getting forced to split up um, and kind of have to pick a new dancing partner, at least for a few laps until they can get the groove settled out. I think that it is not out of the question to see over half the field line up on one side. And by over half, <laughs> I don't mean or something. even line. I mean, I think three quarters of the field can be in one line and a quarter in the other. Um, yeah, just because. The Chevy's all right. And not only that, but I think middle of the race, if there's a caution, um, you're going to see, especially if it gets strung out or like the bottom isn't coming in really at like Daytona or Talladega, um, you're going to see a lot of the teams just kind of say F it for now and just play it safe and want to line up. So I don't, I don't know maybe this year, but I would bet within the next two or three years, we're going to see a restart, which is just 30 cars in one line. And then maybe like Corey LaJoy and Noah Gregson on the inside. Yeah. I do think that there might be times where someone will get wind of, you know, Hey, the Fords all want to line up on the inside and they're going to send a Chevy or a Toyota to try and break them up. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think people are going to miss the shoes coming because of that. There's going to be people waiting until the last second to make their choice. Someone's going to run it over. And they're going to get sent to the back. And I think it's going to happen to a lot of people. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't realize how fast they're going at pace laps on these big right. tracks at, you know, Daytona and Talladega, they're going almost 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take a Bristol or Martinsville where they're going 30 and you're doubling that speed and asking them to make a choose. Um, granted, I know at Fontana, they go 45, 50, um, but it's not quite the same as going 60 miles an hour. Plus you're kind of getting into it to pick your lane. You know, um, I think we should, we're going to see, especially at the 500, we're going to see a lot of guys hit that choose cone. Yeah. I think that there's going to be guys that are told, you know, do what your teammate does, or, you know, if this guy goes here, we want you to go here and so on and so forth. Right. So it's going to be confusing. Um, Last thing I had before we get into an outro, the Bathurst, excuse me, the Bathurst 12 hours this weekend will be streamed on YouTube completely for free. This is going to be fun. Obviously, I think Bathurst is one of the best tracks in the world, so anything there is exciting for me. Um, It's a very challenging track. The the wheel-to-wheel racing may not be as good because the track is so narrow and it's so challenging, but I think that at the end of the day, it's it's a true spectacle of a race, you know, having to go 12 hours around there and not hit a single wall. is pretty tough. Yeah. Like I said, I've never watched any endurance racing. Um, so maybe this would be the weekend that I start. Uh, other than the class, there's not fun going on. Um, so I just may throw it on for a few hours while I'm messing. Yeah. Imagine, out. I guess you could say, imagine, imagine a track that has the same speed as like Watkins Glen same elevation changes as say the Nürburgring in the same confines like a Monaco. That's that's Bathurst. Huh. It's probably one of the craziest tracks that's ever been created. Yeah. So I definitely might have to check it out. Um other than that, do you have any last shout outs we make? It's kind of a quick episode <sighs> yeah. for us. Only about it's really five minutes. Um other than that, not really. I think that I'm just excited for the clash. I'm kinda of gonna hold my judgments until I see a lot of the new paint schemes, a lot of the driver creatures come with all that stuff on track you know i'm just excited to see what happens because there's a lot of different things and with how much uncertainty there was last year there really isn't any safe predictions this year so it's gonna be fun yeah it'll be interesting i'm excited to get the season kicked off this weekend um i've been waiting for this 
it for almost three months now. Um, so, super excited to see it finally rolling again. Um, thank you to everyone who joined in this week. Um, again, very short episode for us. Um, yeah, we'll have a longer uh, one once we get something to talk about. Right, once we get a little bit more meat instead of just speculation, uh, we'll be able to keep running with them and really have some hot debates on here again. Um, with that being said, check us out on social media. Follow us everywhere that you can at Fantuil MSM, capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Um, that is on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, um, TikTok now. We're on TikTok, yep, Instagram. Um, so please check us out on there. Give us a follow. Um, other than that, we'll see you guys later. Peace.